Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, you can catch the show there as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Go to MyFirstSketch.com to see any of the videos that I post or embed to get any more context for the interviews. Email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and follow me on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Philly Podcast Festival is upon us starting this weekend. Head to phillypodfest.com for more information for all the shows and live recordings happening all over the city over the next two weekends. And of course, the live My First Sketch happens at Fit's second stage on Sunday, July 23rd at 4.30 p.m., my guests will be the incredible shrinking Man Jackie. They'll perform the first sketch as a duo, and then we'll talk comedy for a little while. Tickets are $5 and available at myfirstsketch.com slash July 23. But we're living in the now, and today's guest is Abigail Bruley, the creator of Down the Show. Her first sketch is called Toes for Gold, a commercial parody of those Cash for Gold ads a couple years ago, and it was meant to be filmed. Steve Sahn plays Grant Lomar, the CEO of Toes for Dough. Abigail plays a redneck and an older woman, and I give all the visual information since it was designed to be a film sketch. So let's go to the sketch. Exterior beach day. Got toes? Two men sit on the beach, smile, and wiggle their B-ringed toes into the camera. Cut to exterior street day. Need dough? A heavily jeweled man stand points to a picture of a rocket pop at an ice cream truck and smiles pervertedly. A mustached ice cream truck worker hands the pop over to him. The jeweled man is about to enjoy his ice pop when the ice cream truck worker pulls it away, shakes his head, and rubs his fingers together. The jeweled man pulls out empty pockets and slumps. Cut to shoe store. Need dough more than you need toes? The same jeweled man struggles to, s- to slip his large hairy foot into a dainty slipper. He holds his foot up to the eye level, spreads his toes, and glares at them angrily. Cut to an- the interior of an opulent living room. Day. A jeweled man works th- walks through the opulent living room with a grand piano, bearskin rugs, and gaudy statues everywhere. He wears a, skil- a silk robe and heavily limps towards the camera. Hi, I'm Grant Lomar, owner and CEO of Toes for Dough, and I'm ready to take your unwanted toes and turn them into cold, hard cash. It doesn't matter where you get the toes from, they don't even have to be your toes. Cut to exterior of a trailer park, a hillbilly stands in front of a beaten-up pickup truck. Toes for Dough has changed my life. I sent in my old, crusted toes and made enough cash to get those spinny things on my truck tires. The beaten-up truck has bright, gleaming, spinning rims on its towers. Cut to the interior of a bedroom. An older, elegant woman lounges in bed. On her head, she wears an enormous hat adorned with feathers, taxidermied birds, and rhinestones. I turn my deceased husband's toes into this gorgeous chapeau. She throws her head back dramatically and poses. Cut to the interior of the opulent living room again. The jeweled man leans on a slick, white grand piano. That's right. The toes don't even have to come from a living person. 
We'll take any toe affliction, including fungus and gangrene and any ethnicity except for Korean. It couldn't be easier to turn your useless, broken, and unwanted toes into fast cash. Cut to the order screen. An order screen pops up with the ordering information. The number 1900 toes for dough flashes at the bottom of the screen. Hands hold a bunch of toes, and another pair of hands holds a bunch of bills. A small window shows a man rubbing a toe up and down his cheek. Call 1-900-TOES-4-DOE and start making money today. Taking um, a sketch writing class at UCB. Okay. Uh, Don't ask me with who, because I'll okay. never remember. Okay, that's fine. So I don't know who they would be anyway. <laughs> I was and hoping that it was something natural, like, oh, I took it with Bobby Moynihan or something. Yeah, that no, was, it wasn't. Something fancy. Um, it wasn't anyone that I exactly remember. Um, and this was my homework. This right. was my very first homework of my very first sketch class. And it's. Obviously a parody, so... It's obviously a parody of Cash for Gold. Yeah, which, is that still a thing? Like, That's such a good question. Maybe I don't watch the channels that have The those. businesses exist, right. so I imagine they're like still paying for advertising. Yeah, so, so maybe I'm just not watching the channels that have those awful commercials anymore. Um, okay, so... Uh, let's start off at the beginning. I, like, I always go to the beginning. What did you like growing up? What were you into? What did you watch? What made you laugh? As a kid, or as a teenager, or your you know your first comedy fandom. Uh, the Simpsons mm-hmm. have always been really important to me. Uh, Is there like a specific episode that's like that oh, that you always like? How do you ask that up that question? Is there a specific Simpsons episode? That, I mean, not like that, you know, that's your favorite of all time. Like, is there something that like? That you can always go back and watch. I mean, anything centered around Ralph is always a great storyline, <laughs> you know? Ralph was the best. <laughs> uh, or yeah. Millhouse, or a story centered around Millhouse is always great too. Um, but we'll, we could go off talking about The Simpsons for like the rest of the hour, we so. Could. <laughs> and I have a few people. <laughs> um, um, in, in high school, the state was. was my like ultimate mm-hmm. um i guess elementary school and high school the state was my ultimate i'm trying to think of the timeline um and then in college i started i was a film major uh and we were studying old film when i got really into uh the silent era buster keaton i loved buster keaton buster yeah buster's my favorite of the silent guys um and i know like charlie chaplin gets all the pizzazz but I don't know Buster was like the physical guy and he was so like tempted you know and then then if you read about Buster uh, I forget which which movie it is there's it might even be the general but there's a movie where he basically breaks his neck on the one stunt and he just keeps going oh my gosh uh, there's a a stunt where like all this water has to wash over him and it rushes way faster than he expected. Uh, and apparently he breaks his neck during it. Wow, it that breaking your neck, him. that's yeah. like deadly. Yeah, uh, so Buster is awesome. Yeah. As, as jarring as it is to 
have the good guy in the movie be a confederate train conductor, you know, like, he's still, he's my favorite of the silent three. Um, Absolutely. So, um, you mentioned the States, so the States, you had your first introduction to sketch comedy, right? Like, probably. I'd say so. I mean, I, of course, you know, I was always watched, like, Saturday Night Live with mm-hmm. my parents or whatever, but I don't think that sunk in as to what exactly was going on. Mm-hmm. The State is when it's like, oh, hey, those are guys that, like, I would hang out with. And this is what they're doing. And so it sinks in more when you can relate to the people. Right. I right. couldn't relate to Saturday Night Live because it just seemed like big stars, like superstars, like untouchable. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's a fair point with the state. And they, I mean, in the state when it happened, you, you would have been younger, you would have been elementary, middle school, teenager mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. But the state were dramatically younger than most of the people in Saturday Night Live. Yeah, so yeah. It definitely felt like adult versus, you know, like, probably, a, I mean, they were adults, but... They were in college. Clearly younger. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I ask everybody, and you, and you say that you didn't connect as much with uh, Saturday Night Live, but do you have a favorite Saturday Night cast member? Yeah, Gilda Radner. Gilda? Mm-hmm. Uh, any specific, like, sketches that really stick out for you, or characters that she had done? Um... Or even, like, post-work that... After asking all that, there's a sketch that where she's at a high school dance, talking a lot of uh, you know, like beatnik smack to the camera, mm-hmm. like trying to be cooler than the camera, but she's doing it in like with all this like beatnik lingo mm-hmm. that I think is really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to- Sketch. I'll never remember anything else about it, That's but this is like forever ago, I'll you know? I'll down, it's, it's fine. Um, with, so, you mentioned being in a film student. Were you drawn to comedy during being a film student? Like, Yeah, everything I've ever done has had has been comedy, I'd okay. say. We did, like, so you didn't have like that uh, film student phase of like pretentious, Oh yeah, I did pretentious, for sure. (laughs) I mean, but that's... I did a musical in college, which is to like a lot of pretentious music. Mm -hmm. Um, People were lip-syncing to a lot of pretentious music Mm -hmm. in my musical. I was kind of going off of um, Pennies from Heaven, have you seen it? Mm -hmm. Okay. But you know, like what I'm referring to is it's a musical, but they're not actually singing, they're just singing. Okay, so I did that with pretentious music. Um, But it's funny. That's funny. Like, there's no way for that not to be funny. (laughs) Um, Because I had briefly studied film, you know, college dropout, but I I was a film student. And I tried to be a serious filmmaker and, like, make these, like, you know, heart-wrenching narratives and stuff mm-hmm. when all of my friends in my class were making mockumentaries and because the office had just hit so everyone's just uh, doing that same kind of the single camera, camera yeah like, what the heck people come on like, I was so annoyed by that <laughs> and I still am as I bring it up 15 years later <laughs> um is there anything from your college time that's like out there and like online like yeah, my senior project's online. Is it like? It's a short film, 16 millimeter silent film. It's when I was really into silent film. And it was a 16 millimeter, so it's just easier to do silent with that. Well, yeah, yeah. Why would you even attempt? 
because I remember like all my friends who did 16 millimeter in that class were just like, I don't want to put salmon later, like mm -hmm. just whatever. So. Right, right. Yeah. So it was very um, physical. Yeah. It was all physical comedy. And then, okay. So you mentioned going to UCB. Correct. Where do you get to that point where you're, where you want to take a class at UCB? Hmm. Okay, so I was a I was actually a double major in college. Mm -hmm. I was I majored in film and screenwriting. Okay. Uh, when I got out of college, the only writing jobs were in journalism. So then I went into journalism for a long time, maybe five years. Okay. And through my journalism escapades, I wrote for NBC, mm -hmm. and uh, NBC had this like local, here's what's happening around town culturally show. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of it, and I probably shouldn't say it because I'm about to trash talk it. Trash all you want, allegedly and I got the opportunity to write for it. And I was like, hey, cool, writing for TV. That's what I majored in. Maybe I should do it, you know. <laughs> like, I forgot about this. Is this in Philadelphia or is this in? It was the Philadelphia branch of NBC, okay. yeah. Um, and then I just kind of like, it rekindled my flame. Mm -hmm. And I fell back in love with it. And I had this popular segment called um, Rate My Bit, where I interviewed local Philadelphia stand-up comedians, and they performed one bit from their whole set mm -hmm. to the camera, and then the audience online would vote if they were to leave it in or not. Oh, that's fun. And it was very popular, it went very well, so like I looked like, you know, I was doing pretty good. Brown noser at work. <laughs> so I thought I'd push it a little bit further, and I was like, so, well, if you like that, what about if I were to write some sketches, we had our own little like Philadelphia local comedy sketch show and it would, everyone playing and it would be like members from the Philadelphia community mm -hmm. and it would be really be like showing off the, the talent that Philly has to offer. Sure. We'd all get together and it would be like this one big communal collaboration of a Philadelphia comedy show. That was my dream. Right. And I pitched it to them and they were like, great, let's do it. So, um, I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> and I start taking classes and I write a sketch and um, I handed it in on a Tuesday. It was filmed and like paid for and all that stuff. I handed it in on a Tuesday and it was supposed to air that Thursday and I was gonna have like people go to the bar on Thursday and have a big party, like look something I wrote on TV. Right. You know? And then I hear from them on Wednesday, and they're like, Abigail, we just watched what you filmed. No way. <laughs> no way are we putting this on television. Was it, like, it, it involved two guys kissing, and I guess they weren't there yet. Yeah, they're not ready yet for that, you know. I can definitely see that. Not like a, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, it took, I mean, Will and Grace took forever for two of the characters to kiss. And if I remember correctly, it was... Will and Jack just randomly... Probably like a quick peck. Like, just kissing on TV just to say that they kiss on TV. So, mm -hmm. like, um, so yeah, I totally understand that they don't... Uh, why they weren't ready for that yet. Um, 
So, alright, so you, you pitched the show to and your job at NBC. Yes. You're taking, you go up to UCB to take classes. Yes. Because I'm assuming there's nothing really here yet. Like, well, like, what's the timeline? When was this roughly? Ugh, I knew you were going to ask me that. When was the whole NBC thing? Yeah. Oh, that I know. That was 2010. Okay. Because, okay, I didn't really get into the scene, started doing things until about 2011. And one of the first shows that I had seen that wasn't under Fitz's umbrella mm -hmm. was the premiere of Down the Show. Oh, the very first episode? I don't know if it was the first one or the second one. I know it was at Kanye Super Track. Okay, and one know, and two were at Kanye's okay, Regret. And I know Secret Pants performed as well that night. Okay. And I, I think it's two. I think it's the episode with... Um, was George Jefferson in it? Maybe I don't know. Because I, I, I've seen them, so I'm, now I'm forgetting which one must be I've seen live versus online versus... Yeah, right, right. I think, you know, because I remember the Milk at the Beach sketch. Oh, like, Milk at the Beach. I think that was... Three? So I'm completely just remembering. Jimmy Viola wrote that yeah. sketch. Okay, okay, so does the um, does the denial or the rejection from the job at NBC does that lead into down the show? Yes, directly? exactly. Okay. Yes. So where? How do you go to direct down the show? Like, how does that start for you? Uh. I ran into an old friend in a bar and said, hey, guess what? NBC's paying me to write comedy to go on TV. And um, he's a director and I know his work. We grew up together and I said, do you want to be my director? Um, and he said, yes. So we made this sketch together and NBC didn't take it, but we had a great time. And I thought, well, that, that, dream project that I pitched to them that they said yes to, but now said no to. Right. Let's do that ourselves. You know, so that's kind of what Down the Show was supposed to be. It was supposed to be showing what all the different sketch groups, all the different stand-up comics had right. to offer and putting it in one, like, package to sh as a show. Because uh, I remember, like, there would be stand-up interstitials, I think with Dookie, the one episode. Mm -hmm. uh, that was filmed at the NBC Studios. Okay. Oh, for some reason I thought that was, um, during his old ministry show, but, uh, and then, so, with, so then the show, how many episodes are there? Four. Four, okay. Yeah. Um, and, like, each, well, like, a half hour. And roughly, what was, like, the time period of, like, how long between episodes? Hmm. I'd say eight to nine months. Okay. Um, so, with NBC... NBC, you know, rejecting that sketch, down um, the show happening, you would do live premieres, and then it would, was it actually going on the, like, the cable access, or was it just going straight online? No, it never went to NBC. Okay. No, I mean, like, This was the anti-NBC. Right, so it just went straight online after... <laughs> yeah, we would always premiere it first, <clears throat> uh, and then put it up online afterwards. Okay. Um, because I had talked to Molly Silverman a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and I didn't know that was her first experience doing anything, was doing a, one of your sketches for Down the Show. Like, oh, she did the, um, yeah. I, I forget if it's like a beer style or a... She but you guys was, are, yeah, she was in that very first one with the guys kissing. She was in that. Oh, that's in that sketch. Mm -hmm. That's that sketch. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
it's two men trying to outwit each other of mm. who's more into beer, right. and, and they end up getting so passionately in a fight about um, beer that they end up kissing. And that's the big joke. And, and the other joke of it is that you and her look exactly the same. You're basically like whatever affectation or yeah, we're exactly the same couple sitting across from right. each other, and it's really rubbing us the wrong and way. So it's you and Molly. I know Rob Banowitz is yes. the one guy. He's the one guy, and um, we'll come back to you. <laughs> oh no, I feel so bad. I can't remember. Well, there's an apology section at the end that I'll put in. Okay. When I figure out who it is, when I remember who it is. Okay. Um, all right. So you do down the show a couple. You do four episodes down the show. You know, and then, like, I just, like, I was doing comedy for a bit, and then I disappeared after a certain show, like, I disappeared for a while and I stopped doing stuff, but you also just, like, I did. I, I remember down the show happening, and then, oh, Nielsen, let's talk about Nielsen first. Okay. Because I think Nielsen starts before, sure. where, where does Nielsen come in? Oh, no, are you going to ask me about the timeline for uh, like, is it, like, during down the show? Yes, it, okay. it was during down the show. Okay, was it... The start before down the show? Were you doing improv? No, that came afterwards. Okay. Because I, I took a class, I took 101 with Andy Muskowitz. Okay. And I realized this, I wasn't any good at it, but mm. I realized that it was such an amazing tool to learn. Right. Especially if you're a writer of mm. sketches. Because uh, so much amazing material comes out of it. Mm. Um, did you only do 101? Did you do any Yeah, just class? 101. And then Nielsen forms out of mm -hmm. that class. Yeah, it's that was like, the whole one-on-one class. So, yeah. Which is, I feel, fairly common. I guess it is, yeah. People get the bug and they stick with it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think I've talked to a couple people that are like, when I did Sketch 101, I assumed we would work together afterwards. And then I never <laughs> saw it ever again. Oh. Because that one-on-one phenomenon is so, happened so much. I mean, um, all right. So Nielsen happens for a bit down the show, and then I don't hear about you or down the show or anything for a while. That's so correct. That's very correct. Do you want, like, what happened? Okay, so the year is 2013. Okay. At this point, I'm doing down the show for, for about four, three years, mm -hmm. four years, three years. 2013, um, I'm on vacation. I travel to Costa Rica with my husband, and we get in a car accident over there. Oh gosh! And everyone I say that to is like, "Yeah, of course you did." Like because the there's it's lawless driving around there, yeah. just like insane. You're taking your life in your hands, and I did have my life in my hands. Um, we got in an accident, and um, I I got hit. Like we were t-boned, and I was in the passenger seat, so I got the brunt of it. Ugh. And um, I broke the whole right side of my body my femur, my hip, my ribs, um, and I got a brain injury. So the body, the body heals, like I'm full of titanium, I'm like a bionic woman. <laughs> the body heals, but the brain thing, it kind of changes you and the recovery is so slow. Yeah. Um, so it took me a really long time to um, learn about life again because I forgot everything. Mm -hmm. That whole thing with Goldie Hawn in Overboard, it's kind of true. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amnesia. That's like, I, I, I was hoping 
Because I had known that there was an injury. I didn't want to be like, so what year? What like I didn't want to go like, to specific details. I just wanted like a general. Yeah. Like, all right. Um, so you're you have a brain injury. Um, you're recovering because I feel like that's not something that's okay. Uh, yeah. Like, like I'll tell I'll tell you the time. Is there a certain point that's like, oh, I'm like, because I don't I don't feel with a brain injury. There's a point where you're like, I'm healed. Like yeah, you never feel. Here, here's problems. the thing: you never heal. It's you'll never get better. Like, you just get better at the new you. Right. You get better at dealing with the new you, and you make it work. Mm-hmm. Basically. Um, how do you like? Is the new, is the new Abigail like creative still? Like. Yeah, like more so even. Okay. Um. So. Don't ask me timeline, um, but okay, this happened in 2013, it's 2017, so sometime between there is all I'm going to say. Um, I'm recovering and it's boring. It's boring to recover because I can't do much because everything makes me so tired. Did you have to like relearn like motor skills and like relearn to write? I had to relearn stuff? to read, write, draw, oh you know, I had to relearn who my family was. When I first saw my sisters afterwards, I remember a nurse saying, these are your sisters, and I said, they definitely look like someone's sisters, but I don't think they're mine. Wow. It was pretty, yeah. Um, And my husband chose not to take photos or video of any of this time, because he thought that it would make me cringe afterwards, but I was like, not me. This is like amazing fodder that you let slip through my fingers. Yeah. yeah, I had to relearn everything and relearn. There was like this uh, picture, uh, a picture out, a photo album of like friends with their names next to them and like how I knew them, specific memories, so I could like relearn my friends. And I remember when I got out, people would contact me and I would look them up on Facebook to see what like our past relationship was so I could fake that I hadn't missed a beat. Which. I've I never thought about it that way. Like, Facebook could actually be... It could be productive. An amazing <laughs> tool. But I got... The like, thing is, I got a lot of the relationships totally wrong. Because okay. it's not the most accurate depiction right, of like, a friendship. Right. Because, I mean, there's pictures of me with people on Facebook that I would never be like... I would never really consult, consider them friends, like, you know. And if you didn't remember and you saw these pictures, you'd be like, oh, look, our arms around each other. We must be, like, close friends. Right. So we're like, <laughs> you know, like, the people that you've hung out at bars with mm-hmm. in your early 20s, you might, you know, like, oh, these people are important to me, but they, right. they were just drinking buddies. They were exactly. trivia people, you know, like. Um, and there's a lot of people that I was like, oh, okay, so I knew them through the comedy scene. Okay, so I should be able to, like, be myself around with them. Mm-hmm. Like they're probably like someone with a sense of humor that I could just be sure. my new weird self and it would go over well. You would think, you would hope. Yeah, I mean it didn't always work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but you know, you you learn a lot when you go through trauma. You learn a lot about who it scares away and can't deal with it and who is willing to just yeah. treat you normally. Mm-hmm. That's- I came in fathom it because I don't deal with that stuff well. You're dealing with it great right now. You're dealing with it 90% better than most people I talk to. But I'm also, I I didn't know pre, you know, like I didn't really know you before. Like I think we might have said hey or something 
you know, crossing paths at one point, but like, because um, I went, like, the one, you know, example from my life is that when my, my grandfather died of a car accident, mm -hmm. and I refused to see him in the hospital because I didn't want to remember that grandfather. I wanted, you know, um. the real person that took me to the same museum every week for all summer because he didn't remember, because he was like, going to go a little all time diary, mm -hmm. like, uh, but then he got hit by this car, and I refused to go into the room or anywhere near him. Like, and I didn't even want to be up, go up to the casket afterwards because I didn't want to see. Yeah. But well, if it makes you feel any better, um, I wasn't allowed visitors in the hospital because, like, I would—they were afraid that um, I would either get overstimulated or that um, I would say something to. Um, piss them off. How long were you in Costa Rica? Like, were you recovering down there, or no? Um, we had just gotten there when we got in the accident, mm -hmm. and then I was kept in a Costa Rican hospital for three days. Okay. And then I was um, put on an ambulance helicopter back to Philly, and then I was in the hospital for a month for my body stuff, and then rehab for a month with my brain, and then. Recovery forever and ever and ever and ever. Still going. Like, you said ambulance helicopter to Philadelphia. I'm just like, that's <laughs> such a long ride. Yeah, like, I wish I could remember it. Like, I was thinking, like, maybe they like they stopped you in, like, Houston first. Or, like... We did stop in Miami, apparently. Because okay. I, I was like, you know, like, let's do this in Houston. It's closest, you know, or whatever. Uh -huh. uh -huh. But, like, jeez, wow, that's crazy. It sounds really cool. I wish I could remember it. <laughs> there are photos or like... There's a photo of the jet. Yeah. I'm sorry, I called it a helicopter. It was actually okay. a jet. Okay, that was the other thing. I was like, helicopters can do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a jet. It was a jet. Um, okay, so... New Abigail. Okay, yeah, so I was going through the timeline. Okay, so... And then after I get out of the brain rehab, there's... Therapy, 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 recovery, recovery, recovery. Um, and I have so much time on my hands because I can't really do much because mm -hmm. my brain, I still have this problem where it can't, it doesn't know what sounds or stimuli are important to pay attention to, pay attention to and what stimuli I can just ignore that's not important. So it pays attention to everything at full force. That's say so living in a city must be... Not usually, but right now my my neighborhood is under construction in every direction. Oh so gosh. there's like drilling and beeping, and it's that's an obstacle not, course getting around. Even with that sounds awful to me. So, and then I also get like tired really easily because I have to think a lot harder about things that other people just do mindlessly, mm -hmm. like using a fork or putting on your coat. Like I have to like really focus mm -hmm. to like put on my coat you know and it gets tiring having to think mm -hmm. that much so here's what happened um i never got my degree from drexel that's where i went okay. with my double major because i only finished the one major and not the other not the screenwriting because i never finished my senior project which was to write a film okay. And so I contacted my professor from forever ago, and I said, hey, 
the darndest thing just happened to me. <laughs> I have all this time on my hands and I have so much brewing in my head. I really want to try to write that movie and get my degree. Mm -hmm. And he was so nice about it. He said, yes, I want to help you do this. You, you don't have to come to class. Like, we'll just like, you can hand in your papers and we can meet in like coffee shops throughout. So it would be that I would write some pages, hand them in, then we'd meet and talk about them. And we did that for like a really long time mm -hmm. until I had a movie written. Um, and then I graduated, I got my degree. Yeah. And then I thought, well, okay, I'm still recovering, it's still boring. I still have a ton of ideas and I wanna work on stuff. And I just, now I have a full movie I just wrote. Maybe I'll try to get it made. Right. So I started the process of trying to get it made. Um, and I was at the point where I was, ref I was applying for grants. Mm -hmm. And grants need what's called a proof of concept to apply for them, which is something that shows that you have the balls, <laughs> for lack of a better word, to take an idea and see it into fruition. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm just finishing a short film that serves as my proof of concept for my feature. And is that short basically just like this, a scene from... No, because I didn't want to give any of the movie so, away, so, so I just doing... took like two characters from the movie and put them in a different scenario. Okay, okay. But you're still like, it's still within that world, it's still in that Yeah, I'm still stuff. showing that like, hey look, I can get ideas done. Sure. Um, where are we with that, that short? like? Um, the files were just exchanged today between my editor and my sound designer. So it's at the very end. Oh, so it needs to be color corrected and sound designed, and then it's finished. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, is there a timeline for when that's going to be available? Or, well, I or is it something that you're just going to hold on to for the grants? And no, I mean, it's definitely for the grants, but I can do whatever I want with right. it. Um, I'd like to put it through the festival circuit. Mm -hmm. Festivals have like really strict rules about um, where a movie has been screened. Right. For instance, Iowa Film Festival only wants it to be screened in Iowa at their festival and nowhere else. Which I can't imagine is very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa should not be so picky. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Come on, Iowa. Uh, and it can't be online. It can't be available that, online. That's my nice decision. That, that was the big one that I thought yeah. would be. So I'm going to um, do the festival circuit for a while until I'm just like done with it. And then I'm going to put it online. Probably a VOD kind of situation. Sure. I was thinking Amazon Direct. Yeah, I, yeah I've heard decent things about that. Like. Or Vimeo Pro. But people, short filmmakers that I'm in contact with have really seen a lot of success from Amazon Direct. Okay. Um, so I, I remember that there was a, I'm going to completely fumble it, but I know there was a controversy with Amazon Direct because they censored like horror movies for a while, like, or something like that. Like, gore movies? Yeah. Um, but if you're not doing horror movies, that doesn't matter to you. Like, mm -mm. So, that's fine. I'm doing weird, absurd <laughs> comedy, <laughs> so. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you feel with this short? And the, the screenplay that you have, like, does it, do you think old Abigail could have done it, or? No. Is it? Old Abigail didn't have 
I don't think she had the discipline to write a feature. Okay. It was only because I had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to work. Yeah, because I, I always joke that I got into sketch comedy because I can't write a feature because I've written one in my life. Oh, you have written one. And I had another idea. Uh-huh. But that idea has been on page two since, like... Well, yeah, but you've written one. I mean, that's an achievement. It's not very good, like... It doesn't matter if it's... it's and it's still a first What is it, like, a hundred pages about? Uh, probably 90. Yeah. Okay, you wrote 90 pages of something. That's huge. Yeah, but only four people have ever seen it, too. So. Does that matter? Um, I don't know. Like, there's a part of me that's like, I can write hundreds of sketches and stuff, but if they're not on stage, it doesn't matter. You know, like, that kind of art is meant to be consumed. Mm -hmm. And if it's not consumed, it doesn't. It's not. So know. why don't you put your sketches on stage? Because I'm busy doing this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this has been my outlet for the last year or so. Yeah. So. Um, and sketch is a collaborative thing, and I'm not very good at people. It's, oh my god. <laughs> That's something that I've really had to, like, swallow, and this new, like, being a f trying to be a filmmaker is, I keep having to remind myself, film is a collaborative yeah, project. Which, yes. Like, you need to, it can't all be what Abigail wants all the time. And then at a certain level of film, it's even more collaborative. Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, there's a difference between your, I'm sure your 16 millimeter project in school where you and a couple friends probably did everything. Mm -hmm. Where now you probably have to, but the now short, I hire out with for more other things. people. Yeah. That features when they had even more, like, oh, that sounds just. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine how that's done. Yeah. And with bands too, like music bands, how do they decide that they all have exactly the same right. style? I don't, I don't understand how this plot thing works. I don't get it. Yeah, I guess I do it with film, but how? But it's different. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is because like because I'm the writer, so it's gonna go how I wrote it. It's that's not gonna change. Did you also direct the, the short? Or, I did. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so you're in charge, and it's, as much as it, as much as it's collaborative, being the writer-director of a short, you are, the buck stops with you. You, you technically should That's have true. If I want to make final it... Final approval, final say on any of those decisions, like... If I want to make it harder on myself, I'll have more of a say in everything, <laughs> but I don't. I want to make it stress-free. Yeah. So I just let people do what they want to do, and sometimes I speak up and give notes, but... A lot of times I'm just like, I trust you, we're working together, let's just go with what you think is the best. And that's worked out so far? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't like that, but we'll see. That's, <laughs> that's another thing I'm just like, no. Well, see, it's not done yet. It still has, like, it still has to go through the fingers of, like, four other artists. But so far we're good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, I mean, there's color correcting and... There's a, a weird tone in it. That's gonna be a problem. Like, 
something that's greener than you want it to be, or <laughs> that's that's my thinking is that's too green, that's too blue, like mm-hmm. no, I don't want to worry about all that. Okay, um, I generally end up with uh, what's something like, and this is such a huge question for you now. What's something that you've learned from comedy? Um. In terms of like existentially, well, either existentially <laughs> because about life or just something practical that you would pass on to someone that's new to comedy and just getting started. Oh, okay. So like you want advice? Most people go practical, yeah. Okay, so advice to someone who's just getting started. Sure. Who wants to do like write sketch? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, start a folder on your phone called ideas and take a lot of long walks and record everything. Just even record every idea. I mean, it doesn't have to be on the long walk, but that helps me. Um, <laughs> but always have it at your fingertips to record everything because you never know when it's going to strike. And then have a specific writing time that you can look through your phone notes and elaborate on them. Okay, I think that one's more important to me is that okay. specific writing time. Okay. Because I have, I, you know, I was one of those dorks that had the, the moleskin notebook in my pocket forever and like, no. I mean, I would too if it was practical, but a phone's just more practical. Right. <laughs> I, basically, like, I still have a moleskin, but everything goes into my phone. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have all these, like, weird, like, three-word ideas or something. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't sit down and write and, like, kill it. And then the last thing is, why do you do this? Why, why did you do down the show, Nielsen, and now your creative drive with the short film? Like... Other than having so much time on your hands and, you know, what is that all that's going on? So, um, the question was, why do I yeah, why bother doing this crap? I'm, I'm not saying crap. <laughs> no, you could but, say it because it's a lot of headaches. No, um, but I bother doing it because it's, it's my lot in life unfortunately it's it's what i there's just nothing better to me than producing going into production on something that used to be in my head Mm -hmm. there's really nothing better than that and i it's kind of the seed i've been given and i just got to take it and run with it so you really enjoy having that thrill of a finished product like yeah i'm definitely a finished product person so you're kind of like how I, I talk about, like, I have all these ideas, but if they're not out and, like, visible to people, mm-hmm. then it's not as, it doesn't matter as much. Like, you kind of agree with me. Only because I'm a finished product person. Right. Like, I mean, the people that... A lot of people just get joy from the process, and that's such an important thing. Okay. Because you can't... Okay, I love finished products, but I don't care how they're received. You just... Okay. I want to see them for you're just, because you're just it's like they're done. 
a culmination of like what used to be in my head is now right there, and that's amazing. But if people watch it, they're gonna totally miss my point, what I was going right. for. They're not gonna pay attention to any of the nuances that I like slaved over, and right. it's gonna frustrate the hell out of you if you think that way, if you worry about what people are gonna think about it. So, so okay, so you, to you, I'm gonna ask and bring up my whole thing. The 90 pages that I've written, mm -hmm. is that as much of a finished product as, to me, that's, that's step one or two of the, the process, theoretically, like. Um, is the 90 pages all like, is that like your 24th draft or is it a first draft? Uh, it's a first or second. Okay, so you probably have a few more. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the next step would be you have a f show it to people that don't like you, that right. aren't your friend. Right. And let them tell you and then pick and choose what they say that you want to change. Right. And keep giving it to people until you get it back and, someone, and more than one person is like, this is really great. And then start putting it in competitions. But, yeah, okay. So, but at the same time, like, a final draft of a, of a script, of a, of a, of a feature script, mm -hmm. is that to you a finished product? No, I so, I would need to see it so produced. Want, yeah, okay. yeah. That that's where I'm getting. It. Okay, like, yeah. Where there's still 14 steps, and that's just like another daunting challenge in my head. All right. Uh, so. But I mean, it's a daunting challenge. <laughs> but what else do you have to do besides like work that's, towards it in little baby steps? Not baby steps either. <laughs> I'm a very impatient person. Well, I'm a brain injured person. I do everything in baby steps, so. It kind of works out for me creatively. Right. Did I miss anything? Did we miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. Thanks. Yeah, well, thank you. This is great. Apologies to Todd Schaefer, who was the other male actor in the Beer Snobs sketch that we talked about. His name escaped us during the, the chat. You can follow Abigail's journey into film at facebook.com slash femflash. She's currently working on a short film starring Ted Leo, and that sounds pretty cool. Don't forget, my first sketch live at Philly Podcast on July 23rd. It's a Sunday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. with special guests, the incredible shrinking Matt and Jackie. Philly Improv Theater's second stage. Tickets are just $5 and available at myfirstsketch.com slash July 23. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And of course, like my first sketch on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>